All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Within Tolerance. This is episode 51 with Dylan and I. And first things first, I'm going to shout out next week is our one year of doing this podcast. Actually, it's a little bit less because we've had a couple episodes, you know, two episodes in a week. But we have John Grimsmo coming on. So that's very exciting. He was very enthusiastic about coming on, especially for our one year. And uh, so feel free to start hitting us with questions, you know, in the DMs and all that. It's going to be a really long and really fun episode, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, it should be a, a, a lot of fun. And uh, actually, one thing I forgot to put in our uh, overview right here, but somebody reached out today, uh, Tim Brown. So I guess he just found the podcast, and has, he's only listened to a couple pod, uh, episodes of it, and he said, you know, we should start plugging you know who we are and what we do like a little intro at the beginning um for everybody new that's out there because he he was like you know i i only know your first names and i have no idea like even what your instagram handles are um and so i think we've got kind of used to you know having a lot of listeners that have listened to us for a long time so real quick we are both small shop owners i'm dylan he's peyton i'm proteum machining on instagram proteum mac m-a-c-h and he's brick tactical and brick tactical mfg and uh we both run small shops and this is kind of the podcast where we just go into trials tribulations of being small shops and growing and the pains that very often come with that so yeah and dylan's in arizona and i'm in washington state that's a very everyone thinks we're in the same state <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it depends, you know, like there's uh machinist therapy hotline. They're like, they're across the world. Whereas like late night podcast, they go over to one of their houses and do it. So I, I think, yeah, that, you know, all, all the podcasts kind of span across the globe, which is kind of cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do that kind of reintroduction every, you know, every couple episodes just to update people. Yeah, definitely. But uh, so I guess I'm going to skip one of our normal things, which is going into what we have been up to, but RIP IMTS. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it a few episodes ago. Like I, I, I kind of figured once all of this started in March that it would be done for. So yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm bummed that I don't get to see all, you know, my Insta machinist friends that I haven't seen in a few years and get to yeah, and maybe meet me. That's a questionable thing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 sure. Meet you, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was looking forward to, you know, getting to hang out with you and Easton and Andrew and, you know, everybody that said that they were going to come. And um, But, you, you know, we'll just have to go to the next one or maybe there will be a, a, ma- a makeup one next year. Or, I don't know. Um, we'll just have to kind of play it by ear. But, um, yeah, it, it's a bummer for sure. I don't know if they're going to do, like, wait and see what happens and do it next year and then so it'd be 2021 and then the next one would be 2023 or if they're trying to keep it on like even years like i don't know if it's gonna be two more years we have to wait i don't know how they're gonna do that yeah i'm not sure um i know a lot of people i think on the discord we're talking about you know this is kind of like the death knell for uh trade shows anyways like there's so many other yeah industries that have kind of done away with that or they're like the, a shadow of what they used to be so I'm I'm hoping that that's not the case because I really enjoy IMTS. Like it's such, especially like when you're just getting into this uh, trade, it's like so eye opening. Like I remember my first one was just like I I was there for I think Monday through Thursday and just was blown away. Um, so th- I hope that they don't do away with it because it is just so cool. Uh, but I, I 
I guess on one hand, I kind of understand why people were pulling out. Like it is such a giant cost for yeah. possibly not a, a big payoff. I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's a bummer though, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm having to weigh that with my Lego stuff. Cause like I normally do all these conventions and like, we're still waiting to hear there's this one big one in Virginia. And I think in like a week we'll know if it's, you know, going on, but even if it goes on, I don't think I'm going to want to fly across the country and spend all that money and have potentially a low turnout. Like I just don't see that being smart right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does sound like, yeah, especially now it seems like it could be a, a, a loss overall. And, and it's funny that you say the whole Virginia thing, because it truly has been a year since we started this or near, nearly. Cause I remember you talking about that last year. So it's, it's, yeah funny to hear things like that start coming back up um yeah that is weird (laughs) and and, i mean i guess the silver lining i'm trying to look at with the whole imts thing is like that's one more week this year that i can just push hard and make money and you know all that stuff uh september september's never a slow month for us anyway so it just means i get to make more money that week i guess well and i feel like this whole year even if it was going on i if it was going on i still don't know if i would even go um and i think that's a lot of people were in that boat and now that the fact that it's not going on you know i don't know this whole year's just been weird and i don't think people are too shocked by it and i think everyone's this this year it's like just get by <laughs> like i wouldn't be worrying about a trade show right now yeah yeah totally um yeah it it, it is what it is so uh, but how are things going for you? Still printing like crazy? Or are you back to machining? Or I haven't done any machining for a while. It feels like I've been, you know, I don't know what it is, but last month was probably my best month like ever in my whole history of being in business, um, which is awesome. Like, for example, normally, well, I'm so used to getting like maybe a couple orders a day, you know maybe getting like, I don't know, in seven days, maybe get like 10, maybe 20 orders, right? Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, I got 20 orders in a day. And I'm just like, I don't, and it's like consistent. And I don't know what's going on. And it's funny because I have like probably 75 products that are out of stock and people are still finding stuff to buy. I'm like, I'm trying to think. I'm like, what are these people buying? Like, I don't all the good stuff's out of stock. That's crazy. <laughs> and so, like, I've been working all day on this giant restock list of parts I have to order to get printed. Um, and one thing I want to clarify, because I had someone reach out to me and ask about my UV printer, because I was talking about it two weeks ago. And the UV printer, it's not a 3D printer. It's a picture like an inkjet printer that can print on three-dimensional objects so you know you can't put paper or you can't put a lego brick through your you know brother inkjet printer um and so this takes you know ink it deposits it on the actual substrate and then cures it with a uv light hence the name uv printer and it's super durable it's not a sticker it's not a decal it's not painted it's super accurate um and that's what i use to take blank lego parts and turn them into let's say a World War II American soldier or something like that. So I just wanted to clarify that. But I've been, this list is huge. And part of the reason it's so big is I'm now, instead of doing like 20 of each figure, I'm going to just jump to 50 of each, which 
there's going to be a lot of inventorying and a lot of money in inventory now. But the way I look at it, okay, let's, for talking sake, let's say you have a Lego figure, right? There's three parts. You have the legs, the torso, and the head. And just for talking sake, let's say each one of those is a dollar at my cost, which sometimes it is, sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. But for talking purposes, that's $3, okay? Times 50, that's $150. That's just in cost of the parts. That's not printing or labor, but I much rather inventory a couple hundred dollars worth of figures for just one part number or one figure. And then if I sell it for 15 to $20 a piece, I only have to sell like 20% of that lot, you know, 10 figures. And that whole other 40 figures is paid for and is just profit. Um, and then I don't have to set up and make them every couple weeks. It's, you know, I'll make them every three months. And I just think that's just such a smart move on my part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. So I'm, I'm I mean, trying it seems to, like it's kind of a labor intensive setting it up just right. So if, if you, you know, if you're going to set it up, you might as well set it up once and make, like you said, a, a decent lot size. Yeah. So I'm just, you, you gotta, gotta weigh those options. Cause obviously some of these parts are more expensive than others. And you know, how much do I want sitting in inventory? But then again, you know, the sales are, I think are going to be justified with how busy my website's been. So I think, I think between I'm going to be doing larger lot sizes. And then once I get all this stuff back in stock, I'm going to hook up and buy that subscription for the inventory tracking and alerts. Good. Between those two, I think I'm really going to start killing it here. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So maybe instead of a new machine, a new UV printer might be in your, you know, Christmas wish list. Yeah, that or I'm also, okay. It's like my other thing, it's like, I thought about outsourcing some UV printing to my old company I used to do it through, but then it gets to like, you know, cause this UV printer, it's ridiculously expensive in like maintenance. And I'm starting to understand why, like, you know, yes, back in the day I was paying probably $8,000 worth of printing every year, like sent out. Um, and that's why, you know, I looked at it. I'm like, well, if the machine's 30,000, like that's only three years or so, um, you know, three and a half, four years of printing and I basically pay for it. But then it's like, I didn't realize every eight months to six months, you have to pay $1,500 and then, you know, the ink and then these consumables, these consumables. And it's, you know, so I'm trying to figure out how can I maximize. It's just like a CNC machine, right? This thing has a table that's 10 inches by 18 inches. And I'm only, I've only used this machine for like the first, like maybe six inches squared on the front left corner where it's got a full 18 inches long. You know, it's the same thing with a, you know, mill. Why put one vice when you could put three? Um, So I need to make a fixture plate for this thing so I can print, you know, 50 figures at a time versus five with, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you could have like permanent stations set up for different, well, like if, if you've got that much travel, you could set up your, I don't know, three or four of your top, top selling items and have them permanently set up and then have like one or two stations that you vary, you know, for your other lower selling items. Yeah. So I need to brainstorm and get smart about that because I'm leaving potential on the table here right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then for anybody listening who doesn't, you know, it's still unclear what the UV printer looks like. 
uh, Strange Parts on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen his channel, but um, he, well, he until all this happened, he he was living in China as like a, I think he was an English as a second language or teacher or something like that. Um, and he would go around to all of these factories or component markets and do deep dives on them. And one of them was on UV printers and, and like this entire company in China that makes UV printers. So if you, uh, if you want to see more and see how they're built and see what they do, uh, go over to strange parts on YouTube and check out his video. Is that the guy that printed on like the laptop? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got a bunch of really, really interesting videos. He's like made his own iPhone from parts that he yep, bought yep. in the, the markets there. He made it his, his own Android. He, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. He hacked a, uh, <laughs> what is it, a headphone jack into the iPhone 8 or 9, whatever the, the first one was without the, the headphone jack. He hacked one in there. Um, so he's got a bunch of really interesting videos. And because he is based in Shenzhen or pretty close to it, he's got access to like, you know, every single part you could ever want for anything. So uh, yeah, anyway, check check that out if you want to check it out. Um, but that's, yeah, that's awesome. Because right now you're using 3D printed jigs, right? For the, the Lego men? I'm actually using Lego parts, which works really well because of how accurate they are. Oh my goodness, that's really cool, actually. Yeah, that's way smarter. Um, yeah, yeah, I just took one of those giant base plates that have just the grid pattern pattern of studs, you know, the little dots, and I just the printer comes with this sticky tack mat that's like the full ten by eighteen, and I just put it on there, and I can just build whatever fixture I want. That's awesome. So that is super it, cool. It works pretty well. <laughs> How do you register it? Is it like a CNC where there's like a, a work offset or something like that? It's ba- That's a good question. It's in the software, you basically have your bed and then you just manipulate your designs wherever you want them. And what I, it's really, I don't really know if it, I would assume the origin would just be like the left corner of this table. Um, and that's kind of what I go off of. And you basically just measure, you know, your table and figure out where your actual part is on the table. And then you can draw lines and sketches on this software and, you know, put your design centered up or whatever. And what I do, which is kind of a secret, so I don't know if any of my competitors are listening to this, but um, is you take clear packing tape, put it over your parts, print, look at it. If it's not lined up, no big deal. Take the um, tape off change it and then print and that way you're not wasting parts oh that's genius i was just about to ask if you had to to test print parts that's that's super smart yeah so i go through rolls of clear packing <laughs> tape <laughs> well then yeah you definitely got to get um a fixture plate on there that's permanently mounted because then you could you know you could even three or not 3d print you could uv print whatever you're going to print on the lego men on your fixture plate so like every time you put a lego down you know exactly what you're getting if you like forget what the location is or something like that yeah seriously and it i even got the drawings i need to find it in my email of the table like the actual um like the blueprint for whoever makes this for for the company and they've got two quarter inch dowel pins um it kind of sucks that they're it's like picture a piece of paper and you've got two two dowel pins like um like where a three ring binder would be like they're both on one side it's not like they're opposite sides which kind of sucks oh Um, yeah that's weird but i i can make something work yeah yeah for sure i mean you've you've got a machine 
like a yeah. CNC machine. That <laughs> exactly. Perfect for that. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I'm glad to hear you're staying super busy then. Yeah. So what about you? <laughs> we are so busy. Um, our, one of our biggest customers who like we hadn't heard from since, I don't know, mid-March or something like that. Is this like the I, one that like disappeared? Yeah. Yeah. Like they disappeared off the face of the planet. Like I, I would email them once a week or once every other week and just be like, hey, just so you know, we're still open. And uh, every time they were like, OK, thanks. And then wouldn't hear anything from them. Um, but they sent us two quotes last week that are both due this week. So I'm rushing through those. I've got a bunch of orders still on the books. Um, I think I'm I don't know. I've got eight eight orders that I'm currently working on, something like that. So I'm I'm running around like crazy. <laughs> Is it all one offs? Uh, uh, sort of, yeah, more or less. Well, I, like uh, one set is like electronics housings that there's, I think sets of twenty five of each of the parts in that. One of them's uh, two part numbers, both are three count. Um, one or some more of those grill parts and some more p- parts for him. Um, yeah, it's. For the most part, like onesie twosie stuff, though. Oh, random sidetrack note. I got an email from one of my local customers, and I haven't heard from them in a while because they're working from home. They're just a big enough company where they had to send their engineers home to work from home. Mm -hmm. And they sent me some parts. And like I told you, you know, these are the helicopter company parts that I've done. And they're like, yeah, so here's some parts like just give us a total guess of a price like we just need to know like roughly what these would be like we're not going to hold you to it and i was like oh well that's really a deep channel and like i'm going to need a thread mill and i've never used a thread mill before but i'm really kind of excited about that um and they're like yeah okay thanks for the pricing like this is for like lockheed and the f-16 replacement part project and i'm like (laughs) oh that's sick (laughs) that's super cool so, oh, speaking of jobs too. So I talked about last time that job that I was hoping to have total hands off, you know, pick it up from the laser, drop it off at oh, coding. Yeah. Uh, it has not gone at all to plan. Um, literally everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. So I picked them up from laser and there was little uh, like nipples on the inside of every one of them. That was a plus, plus five minus nothing dimension. Oh, no, plus 10, I guess. Plus 10 minus nothing. So plus minus five. Um, so I ended up having to make soft jaws and recut the inside of all of them so that there was no more nipple. The outside was totally fine. It looked like they had already maybe scotch, not scotch breaded them, but like uh, wheeled them or something like that uh-huh. to zebra the outside. So that was already a time suck. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't too much, but it was maybe an hour and a half, two hours worth of stuff. And then I sent them off to plating and there's only one place in town that does the zinc plating to that spec. And so I sent it off to him. We picked it up. Brad didn't really look at it because he was in a rush when he picked him up. And I go on and do a hundred percent inspection on a hundred parts. And of them, probably two thirds of them all had the zinc plating chipping. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's zinc plated for corrosion resistance. So it's not like I can send that off to my customer. Uh, so I dropped them off last Friday, I think, to have them stripped and recoded. And I'm just hoping and praying that in stripping them, they don't, you know, knock the center bore oversize or anything like that. But it, how it's does been... that work? What do you mean? 
the stripping process? I have no idea. Um, I, okay. I, I know it's some kind of acid bath. Like they're supposed to acid etch them anyway for uh, that kind of zinc plating, but I have no idea what kind of acid bath they have to use. I don't know how long it sits in there. Um, at this point, I don't really trust them to do anything right. So I'm like super struggling to find a decent plater around here. I, I just have put out an email yesterday to a place in Phoenix and still haven't heard back from them. Um, but pretty much I don't trust this company at all anymore. And it seems like going in there, like they do mostly just Chrome stuff for like automotive and like they advertise that they can do, you know, electrolysis nickel and zinc and all these, you know, uh, aerospace level stuff. But like, I don't know, nothing about them has given me any warm fuzzies about using them again. So I'm going to have to find somebody else that can do it. Um, if anybody listening out here knows somebody that can do quick turn stuff, I mean, the, the reason that it came up again is that right after I dropped these off for the second time, I, one of my customers reached out and was like, Hey, we've got a rush order of like 140 of these little parts that are brass that need to be electroless nickel. And I was like, Oh, well, let me reach out and try to find a new supplier. And then they come back and they're like, well, like what's your rush or what's your you know estimate of turnaround time? And I was like, I don't know, two weeks maybe. And they're like, Oh, we're looking for them in five days. And I'm like, well, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know of any place right now that would do like a two day turnaround on electrical nickel. So it sounds just... like that company might be, you know, trying to take on jobs that they're just not fit for. Like you said, it sounds like they're really good at what they do, maybe in that other field, but maybe they sh shouldn't have accepted your work. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I know there's one other place in town that technically does all that stuff but I had worked with them at a past job and they are just like absolutely horrible. Like the guy who runs it is just mean and old, like just a, like a really mean person. Like every time I've gone in, I've like just walked away and been like, I don't want to ever talk to that guy again. And uh, like they, they've like burned parts before saying that it was like, Oh, it was your fault. You used the wrong material, blah, blah, blah. And then we looked and it's like, no, you guys just used the wrong methodology, you know? So it, Really, what I'm what it comes down to is Tucson is just a terrible place for any kind of coating besides <laughs> anodize um, and chem film. Like I've got a, a good anodize and chem film house, and like that is the only thing that I can promise my customers at this point. Oh, and, and, and paint. I know a really good paint shop too, like for uh, aerospace grade paint. Yeah, but, and that's like you said, you got to just be, you know, even if that hundred forty part job's appealing, you just got to be honest with them and be like. I I can make them, but like I can't do the you know the full job here. Yeah, yeah, and I'll find a good uh, place in Phoenix, I'm sure, because like there's a, a million places in Phoenix that all do that stuff, but most of them are certified for all the aerospace companies in Phoenix, and so they have like even their rush orders take a week and a half or something like that. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll see, but it's just it's frustrating, um, especially when it was supposed to be such a cakewalk job, like. But, you know, I, I learned the, the laser place was good. It's just I, I didn't know what to expect as far as the quality coming off their laser. And now I do. And as far as that plating shop, I just probably won't use them again. I remember you sent me a picture of the little nub that was left. You know, I have the problem sometimes with parts and fusion. Let's say you have a bore that you're cleaning the inside up with an end mill and you have that little entry line. Mm -hmm. Um and I just will duplicate that and just select a different spot of that circle to entry and just basically do a spring pass. Um, 
to clean that up. I'm wondering, do you think they could have done that with the laser? Just basically did the same profile cut, just starting it somewhere else? I think it was more that that's where like it broke off the sheet. Oh, okay. Like that, like when they, they route out the center of those washers, like that's the part where it just fell off and like it couldn't cut anymore. Okay. And so like maybe there's, you know, ways around that. Maybe they could have slowed it down. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I've never run a laser. Um, I just know for next time, like next time I'll, I'll have them leave more stock and I'll just plan on cutting things afterwards. And like, it'll still save me time and save my tooling, but it'll just, I'll factor that into the price. Yeah. So, um, it is what it is. Like it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it was just frustrating because it was the second job for that same company in a week where I pretty much lost my ass because I had those. And then I had these other ones that I was going to, do the turning on my lathe and they were plus two thou minus nothing. And I thought my lathe was good for that, but like over the four inch length, I had about three thou of taper and oh, I didn't shoot. have a test bar to, to dial everything in. Um, and thankfully Easton stepped in and was able to rush the order for me and, and did some great work. So uh, thanks to him. Definitely. And, uh, but it, yeah, it's just, it was a frustrating week for that customer specifically, but otherwise things are going really well, super busy, staying busy, uh, haven't gotten really any time to work on the projects that I need to work on. Uh, orange plate's still sitting. Thankfully I'm waiting on my vices to come back from them lasering them. So I'm, I'm using that as my excuse on why I haven't I'm done it yet. Say, I'm about to get real <laughs> mad at you here. You're like, I'm going to come to your shop and I'm going to take that from you. It's a total cop out. Like I, I really should have put it on by now, but I'm using that as my excuse is that I don't have my Delta vices back um, and I'm sticking to it. So oh <laughs> and my, then, God. Uh, my TSC is almost done. I just got the last, not the last uh, MS, or McMaster order, but probably the second to last McMaster order for that. I just need to plumb everything up to the tank and then figure out what length of extension I need to put the filters in the tank. And then I'm done with that. Um, awesome. And then I also plumbed up a washdown nozzle this weekend, which was nice and easy and saved me, I don't know, $500 over the option from Yamazin, which was fantastic. Uh, yeah. So otherwise, you know, we're, we're staying super busy and things are looking up. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So my cousin is moving to where is it? It's like two hours north of you, like closer to Phoenix. Prescott, is it? Okay, yeah, that's even more north of Phoenix. Okay. I, oh, no, no, it's not. What is it? Chandler? Uh, I can't remember. But anyways, he's moving, like, and they'll be gone in, like, two and a half weeks from now. And I don't know if I am or not, but I might be caravanning down with them, driving one of their cars, and so I might randomly show up. Awesome. That'd be so, fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited because I've got you there. I've got another one of my good friends there and a couple other friends. So, like, I forgot how many people I know in that area. So, it's kind of, it might be a cool little trip. Yeah, just let me know. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll be our IMTS. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll <laughs> do a little a mini meetup and get there. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. That actually might be kind of cool if we could do something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know there's a few Insta machinists around here, but not too many. Yeah, I'm trying but, to think. Uh, 
That'd be cool for sure. Yeah. So, um, what else do we have on the list? Oh, uh, so you can now order helical tools online through Tormach. Really? Yeah. They, I think they have the full catalog on their website. I'm not sure about the, the extent of it, but, um, yeah, they, they put them up and thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, hold on. Let me look. What the heck? Tormach has like a freaking router now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Easton was saying really good things about it too. Wow, they've yeah, got a uh, lot of tooling on here. Yeah, they got YG1 as well. And yeah, I'm looking at that. Wow. Pretty impressive. Impressive. Um, it's frustrating on my end because I tried to get our local, uh, or I tried to like push Yamazin tooling division to be a, a distributor. And Helical was like, we're not doing any more distributors. And then like, you know, a month it's like, later. what's the point? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, don't just like let anybody sell your tools that has the volume. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So anyway, it's cool that you can now get them online. You know, I can check out at midnight and not have to worry about talking to a sales rep anymore, <laughs> which is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting move, especially for Tormach. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're really, I mean, it's, it seems like a lot of uh, machine tool builders are kind of getting into that. Like Haas is releasing their, tool holders i think in july 1st or something like that oh they're making their own well i don't know if they're making their own but they yeah. are branding their own <laughs> huh interesting <laughs> yeah um so yeah it, it, that was kind of cool and i figured i'd let our listeners know since i've complained enough about not being able to order them online though i'm now pretty pretty happy with all of my gw stuff and that i can get online so we'll see what was I heard a rumor? Now this is just a rumor, and I can't remember if I saw this on Facebook or what. But supposedly Haas is now in the process of potentially selling direct to customers. Really? Yeah. And so, like, if I want a machine, I call California, and I like, I go through that, and it might even get to the point where it's potentially with their website being the way it is. It's like Tesla, where it's add to cart place the order (laughs) that's interesting yeah i hadn't heard that but um i could see them doing it i mean selway would lose their minds but um... i still think selway i think it's just like what um what was it i think tom lipton mentioned it but he you know it's it's the parts and the service that really you know selway is really how they make their money yeah yeah when i would worry that going direct would alienate selway so they wouldn't want to do any parts and service and then there would be that like crossover time where Haas would have to start stocking their own techs and their own vans and their own people everywhere yeah it'd be like dmg mori over the last couple years where like you're waiting you know months to get a tech out because they only have a few qualified techs in the u.s yeah that's it's a fair argument for sure yeah we'll just have to see where it all goes i think something tells me if Haas did that they would be smart enough that they would be tooling up techs for like oh, months beforehand yeah. you know they'd hit the ground running pretty hard so well it's up to see yeah but i'm if that happens i think that's a huge push for everyone to say hey guys like come on if our customer wants an end mill give him an end mill he doesn't want to talk to someone that adds no value to the transaction and it makes it cost more money and time for him yeah so totally so what else did you have 
I have international shipping sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I know we've kind of encountered that just even with our t-shirts. Yeah, it's not only expensive, but it puts the seller, like myself, for instance, in a really weird position. So like once, so I send things through USPS and let's say I send a Lego figure to Germany and, you know, I have in my shipping and return policies, like, you know, I have the tracking number, but once it leaves the US, I have zero control over it. Like I can't see where it's at. I can't do anything about it. Right. Right. And so it's basically like it's on the customers. Like, do they want to take the risk? You know, 95% of the time, yes, it does get there. It just takes a long time. You know, instead of three to seven days for in the States, it might take two to three weeks. Um, But it puts me in a weird position where, okay, someone buys something for me, let's say $60 worth of stuff. And this has happened. And they're in Germany. It's been like a month. And they email me and they're like, hey, you know, where's my package? And I'm like, you know, it says it's left the country. Here's the tracking link. Um, Other than that, I can't tell you anything. So maybe give it another week or two. And then they'll email me back another week later or whatever and say, okay, I still don't have it. I want my money back. And it's like, okay, this is a weird spot that I'm in now because it's like, I told you that I can't control it. And now I don't know if you're lying to me and you actually have my product or that it just actually is just never going to show up, which does happen sometimes. And then I'm either in the position where I have to refund them $60 and I just lose $60 for nothing, or they feel like they're getting scammed. Yeah, that's tough. Um, And I think it's only gotten worse with shipping the way it is right now. Um, I think it was peter mckinnon's like second youtube or instagram profile it's like pete's pirate life like they were up with uh grimsmo last week but like he just posted something the other day of like the challenge coins they were shipping i guess have been taking up to two months to get to people wow yeah so it yeah i think it's definitely affecting everyone yeah it's just you know it's a hard it's just one of those things with being a small business that no one could have told me that from the get-go like um, I don't know. It's just, I had a day the other, like a week ago where I was just like making all sorts of mistakes. Like I was losing money here. I was, I screwed that up. Like this, like it felt like every customer in the world was emailing me about a problem. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, and at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, just take it one step at a time You at the end. And honestly, at the end of the day, you can't make everybody happy. Just try your best. Um, and it's it's just a weird position sometimes you're in. Yeah, totally. And, and like your products aren't expensive enough that you can afford to like do UP, UPS or FedEx or DHL or anything like that because it would double or triple your shipping rates too. Yeah, and they're already expensive as is, which I hate doing. And, you know, I can't control that though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I'm sure a lot of people that are out there that, have Shopify sites or whatnot would share that sympathy with myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then, tell me about small wastes. <laughs> yes. Find them <laughs> all caps. <laughs> um, so I am trying to do more. I'm not lazy. I promise, <laughs> but I'm trying to do more in the same amount of time in a day. And so for example, 
I listed down. I took a blank piece of paper this morning. I well, last night I emailed myself. I was sitting in bed and I emailed myself. I said, "Find small wastes." So then this morning I'm, I see that email. I'm like, okay. I get out a blank piece of paper and I just start writing down things where I'm wasting time or it's a dumb task that I'm constantly doing. And I have a pretty good list and I'm slowly knocking through them. You know, some of the products I sell are packs of other products I sell. So, you know, different SKUs um, all in one product number and they're not packaged already. Okay. So whenever I get an order, I have to pull up my phone. I have to go to the product on my app and I have to say, okay, you know, I don't remember which guns are in this weapon pack that I sell. And then just recently I was like, all right, that was dumb. Let's print off a little picture and keep it in my inventory room. So I don't have to pull up my phone anymore, but I still have to stop, sit there and count out these weapons and bag them up. And then I can check it off the order. And I'm like, that's just dumb. So it's, pre-packaging everything making sure like everything is like just grab and go and it's that's kind of where i'm starting but there's other things like in ship station you know why am i clicking this check mark every time there's got to be a way in settings that you know that never pops up or you know it's just all those little things yeah totally i'm right there with you i'm starting to try to nail some of those down as well uh andrew henry posted and i bought some of these little magnetic they're like little tool caddies and i have one on each machine now that has my allen wrenches and my carve smart wrench and my uh vice handle i I still need to uh kaizen foam them but like it's already just that that little bit faster like i don't have to turn towards the uh, tool cart that i have there and open the drawer and grab any of that stuff it's all right there on the machine i can just go for it Um, yep and uh, I posted yesterday, and I actually I'm still gonna kind of modify these programs, but like, there's no way to home the brother manually back to where the operator load station is. Like the the home on I think all BT30 machines I've ever been on is away from the operator and like into the corner behind the door. Yep. And so I just made two programs that home X and Y independently, and I'm gonna make one more that homes X and Y together. Um, so rather than hand wheeling or, you know, jogging the machine, now I just type in the number for the other program and hit start and it comes back to me. It's like, I should have done this, you know, six months ago. Like, why, why am I still like, I was thinking last night, I was like, why am I still hand wheeling? This is so dumb. Yeah. It was a big improvement already. Yeah. Would you rather let the motors work for you or you sit there and twiddle that little thing <laughs> right exactly it was, it was so dumb and I'm, I'm so glad that i'm not dealing with that anymore um and i'm, I'm definitely gonna start playing with uh, a lot of people commented about using nc programs um I, th- I think they thought that my post didn't put it out but like my post homes it where i want it but like i do want to start playing with the nc programs thing and, and having a master file and all that stuff that i've talked about for a while um but it you know it's something i can do at home so i might as well start playing on the weekends with it yeah, that's true. Uh, and then I was watching one of the Fusion Lives, and I realized like that there's a lot you can do with those master programs too because the drill operation now, you can have it drill by diameter. Yep. So you can, like, and you can have dirty operations when you post. So I could just have, like, a bunch of drills in a, in a you know, op one template and just when I hit regen, it'll only regen the ones that the drills exist for. 
And then I can just look at all the dirty ones and either delete them or just ignore them and then post the, the program, you know? Yeah. So uh, there, there's a lot. I still need to figure out my workflow there, but there's a lot that I want to do there. Um, yeah. Anyway, it, I, I, I'm right there with you. Small ways, find them, eliminate them, make yourself feel better. Oh, yeah. I just realized in the, we haven't talked about this. I got a new 3D printer. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about a bunch about it off offline. Yeah. So, so I still haven't had time to get it working. Oh, man. You're killing but me. It's, I'm looking at it right now. It's a really cool little machine. I, I think it's pretty cool. I know it's the same one you have. And I, I was in a, a bind with some parts that I needed to make. And then I really needed another printer to prototype a product that I'm working on. And I was like, I texted Dylan. I'm like, you have the Ender 3, right? He's like, yeah, the Pro. I'm like, okay. And I just Google it. And I found them for like 240 bucks shipped. And I was like, add to cart, buy. And then I like, within a week it was here. And I'm like, that was like, that is so cheap for how much this printer can do and how big the bed is. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, for it, like you really can't beat it for the price. Um, Eric from the Wave Night podcast was just messaging me today because he wants to buy one too, and he was looking at it. and I think it's uh, all 3DP is the website, and they're like a big 3D printing website, and like all of their top ten or whatever top printers of the year for last year, every single one of them in every category was either an Ender three or an Ender five. No way. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and they've got one right now. Like I. I don't need another printer, so I'm not going to invest in it. But like they have a Kickstarter right now for the CR6 SE. And that thing is like killer because right now you can get it on Kickstarter for like, I think 320 or something like that. And it's got auto leveling and dual Z screws and a better heated bed and a better, uh, what's it called? Hot end and filament runout detection and like just all of this crazy stuff. Wow. Um, so yeah, they're, they're poised to really just kill the, the FDM market with that thing. At least it looks like it, you know, all the people who have gotten pre-release versions of it really, really liked it. So, but yeah, yeah you gotta get to... that thing running. Like I, I'm, I still haven't finished my machined uh, bed leveling system for it, but at this point I'm going to finish it before you get that thing running. Well, that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you. Cause you had talked about that last week and I honestly was kind of lost at what you were talking about. So what you said you were, I saw the spacers you made. Mm-hmm. And then you had mentioned something else, but talk about what were those spacers for again? So the spacers, you know, how there's the springs underneath the bed and yeah. then there's the little hand wheels that lock it down onto that. Uh huh. So the spacers replaced the springs, So it was hard mounted to that carriage. Okay. Um, the problem is that the carriage is just like stamped steel and is super far out. So it was so far out that my BL touch couldn't account or wasn't accounting for that amount of slope. And so like my, nozzle was digging in at one point and barely touching at the other um so now i have completely remachined the carriage uh or the, the whatever you want to call it the bed carriage and then i have um these little con not conical but spherical screws that go up through it and mount to the bottom of the the heated bed and so the whole thing is going to be hard mounted still with hard screws that I'll be able to adjust finely and set and just forget. And then like my BL touch will take care of the rest. Like I, I won't have to really worry about like getting it super close. I'll just need to be roughly level. And then the BL touch will take care of the rest. 
You'll have to send me some pictures just to visualize that, but that sounds like a really nice upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I've got some modifications to do. The screws I made are not as long as I think I need. We'll we'll see, but um, like like I said, I think two weeks ago, if it goes well and I like it and it increases printer throughput or whatever, you know, makes it work how I think it'll work, I might make it as a product because it, you know, it, it it's it'll be kind of cool. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. And maybe I'll sell it with a BL touch as like a full kit because really installing the BL touch is super easy. Um, I installed it on that SKR board, but from what I've seen installing it on the standard Ender board just requires an adapter little board too. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't know. It's a really cool machine and I was shocked at how fast it heats up to the bed and the nozzle. Oh yeah. 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 It's quick. But I don't know what is going on with mine. I need to fiddle with it more. Next time you want to play with it, uh, just give me like a video call and I can kind of walk you through it. It's hard to do it over text, but like if I could see what's going on and help you diagnose it, I think we can get it working. No problem. Yeah, I think it's just a it's definitely a leveling issue. And then I don't know if I'm using that PETG and talking to Drew from Drew Fab. He was like, that material is great for everything, but it's hard to get sticking. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I use tape and uh, Elmer's glue for everything, and that that seems to work. I use okay. that pow- that powder coat tape that Saunders uses for his uh, super glue and tape method. Okay, because that stuff's PET, which is like what they make a lot of three D printer beds out of for enhanced stickiness. And you're putting that on top of that magnetic plate. I, I've got the glass plate on mine. Okay, um, but I yeah, on the when I had the magnetic plate. With PLA, at least, I didn't have any issues sticking. Um, I don't think I ever tried to print PETG with the magnetic plate. Okay. Yeah. If you've got... And then that's another thing. I downloaded the latest form of... What is it? Cura. Mm-hmm. And th- that... I must have had a really old one because it's way different. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think like between three and four, I think it was, or something like that. It changed quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm playing around some people reached out i did a live stream and some people reached out with some speeds and feeds and temps and so i need to i tried most of them but i just think it's a leveling issue right now yeah it it looked like it from what you sent but yeah like i said next time you want to play with it just let me know and we can go over it okay sounds good all right so on to our new segment what did you research this week oh boy you want me to go first this time yeah so I don't know what prompted this, but I was really bored one night and I was like, I want to look up how did the Mars rover get onto Mars? Like, I just never understood that. And it is really interesting. And like, I don't know if this is true, but with the one video I watched, like when it went into Mars's atmosphere, it had like these giant inflatable like balls around it. And it just like bounced on the surface until it stopped. Yeah, I, th- I think that's accurate. I, I want to say it is. And I was like, what a, like, a, what's the right word? A sim- simple way of doing it, right? Like, don't overcomplicate it, right? Um, and I was like, that's really interesting. And then I was looking into, like, all the pictures that that thing has taken. And, like, I was just like, wow, that's, like, crazy to think. And then what was it? It was another video on how Elon plans to like colonize Mars and like all the different things that, you know, they have to set up on Mars if 
if it is to be feasible. And it was just really interesting because it's like it's totally doable, but it's just like it's not an easy task. No, not at all. It's funny that you bring this up because I was just talking with a coworker about this today. Really? Um, well, because I had sent him. I mean, to go along with this this theme, if did you see the Dragon capsule launch and then the Starlink satellites like a week later? Yeah. So like uh, I had sent him both of those videos, and then we were talking about how he wants to colonize Mars, and like the the big problem is you know if anything goes wrong, you're like 200 days at best away from Earth. Yeah. You know, it's like things have to go almost perfectly or you have to have a way to fix everything so yeah it's uh pretty crazy but yeah those launches man like nothing gets me more excited than like watching those rocket boosters land on the drone ship (laughs) it's like it's just the coolest thing ever and it just happens so effortlessly like it just it's used to it like it just does it yeah yeah that's what um people in the comments i think on the starlink uh landing they were like people are just assuming that we're going to land rockets now. Like this is just commonplace now. Like that's, you know, two years ago that that was not a for sure thing. And now they've got, I mean, the booster that sent up the most recent uh, delivery of Starlink satellites, that was its fifth mission. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. That is a lot of machining parts saved. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I mean, they used to just toss those things like they were scrap and now they're, reusing like the one that went up still had scorch marks from the last time it entered the atmosphere like that's it's just so freaking cool yeah that's (laughs) we're definitely in this crazy era and i it's one of those things everyone's like can you imagine like if we're here now in five years what it will be and then in 10 years what it will be at right yeah exactly yeah it's uh absolutely just it's so cool i i absolutely love it <laughs> yeah i love people that push the envelope like that yeah um so the things that i had researched uh this one actually i didn't research but i've used it now twice was brandon uh, b sudiswa or i guess he's machine shop outlaw now on instagram um he posted up this thing called opti cutter and you can give it the size of blanks that you need how long your bars are and the kerf of your saw and it'll tell you exactly how many bars you need and give you a cut list for every bar so that you get exactly what you need and tell you exactly how much waste you have to your kerf and how much waste or like uh, leftovers you have no um, way yeah and it's just called i think it's just opticutter.com let me double check right now but i used it last night and it's like yeah it's, so it's 1d cut cutter optimization what the heck and it's totally free. Um, there is pricing, I think, if you want, like, maybe some other. Oh, you can do, like, up to 10,000 parts if you, you know, have the basic version or whatever. And uh, 100 different part lengths instead of 20 different part lengths. But, like, for the most part, the free will cover you for almost any project, as long as it's not giant. And it, it works great. Like, it, it's really, really cool. Yeah, that's something I'm always doing is i'm saying okay 144 inches divided by this okay minus eighth inch per part blah 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 yeah same totally and then like last night i had to do it for some copper and i was like oh okay i need five sticks like it, it took it took what usually i mean it, it maybe saved me a minute total but like a minute when i'm trying to get out a quick quote that's still some time back in my pocket so yeah uh, i figured i'd bring it up here i think he 
hopefully has saved it in, in his stories too if you forget it but um yeah it, it's pretty neat so opticutter.com and then the other thing that came up i was at dinner with my girlfriend's parents and we were they had like given her some paper like a uh, for watercoloring okay and i looked up paperweight so like how paper is weighed and it's usually like when it says like 80 pound paper it's because it's the weight of a ream of 500 sheets, I think it is. Or it's the weight of a ream. And a is ream that... is a measurement of paper? Uh, a ream is usually 500 sheets of that, that paper. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, it's, you know, you take whatever that poundage divided by 500 sheets and you get the, the weight per paper. But that's that's how you get that, you know even like printer paper has a weight on it. I think it's usually like 80 pound or 60 pound or something like that. Huh? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting little tidbit and figured I'd uh, share it. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) podcast part two starts now. Yeah. All right. All of the questions. Thank you all for, chiming in uh, the last couple <laughs> episodes have been fantastic because you guys just like you have tons of them like it, it's awesome um so hold on i've got actually one more to add right now oh my <laughs> god <laughs> so hopefully no more come in That's as we hilarious. are <laughs> well the first one's for you so why don't you start taking that one and I'll finish this. So Smith Machine and Tool says DM2 or VF2SS. If you had the space, would you have considered the VF over the DM and why? Thanks. All right. If I had the space and the power, probably go with the VF2 just because I think it actually is cheaper. Um, is it really? I think so. That's insane. I think <laughs> just since that's just their bread and butter, that's, you know. So I'd say yes, and that's another conversation, and everybody always has this conversation, is power and air requirements. Power for a VF2 is supposedly like 80 amps, and mine is 13 amps or something, 17 amps. And so, but I know people that run like many VF2s off like a 50 amp breaker and like no problem. So Yeah, well, you have like the same spindle and the same axis drive exactly. as a VF2. Like they... They just shrunk a VF2 and made a DM2. Like, I don't, that's. It's literally yeah. just a different enclosure and a different tool changer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's dumb that the, the rating's so different. They oh, would actually, sell a lot more if they made that rating accurate. <laughs> so, one thing, the Haas thing, real quick, that um, I want to say, who was it? Craig, somebody. Uh, somebody posted, I guess, that the purple grease is discontinued now i heard that um and so the protodyne manufacturing had commented that the red was discontinued due it to it plugging up the metering valves and that purple was a combination of red grease and whey oil which i I, i've never looked into it i don't know if this is true or not but like that kind of makes me worried about the purple then if the purples might be clogging people's uh metering valves as well so we'll have to see what's next all I know is there was a, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a clear canister of the, like a plastic one of this Haas grease, and then they switched to metal because the plastic ones would explode. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of pictures of that. It's and I was so just terrible. like, geez, like what the heck? Like, thank goodness I had the metal one. 
Yeah, it, it straight up looks like somebody murdered a VF2. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, next question was from David Ron, uh, who, just to reiterate from your last question last week, David, you are a machinist. Fixture makers are machinists. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, so he asks helix bore or contour ramp for circular bores. He prefers contour ramp because he likes controlling the angle. Uh, it, it's more intuitive than the pitch value. Um, so I do both. I do helix bore for circular bores. I do contour ramp for contours like slots. Um, and then helix bore, I never use to finish a bore really, unless I'm unless it's for a personal fixture and I don't care about the whole size. But I always I usually helix bore first and then go back in with a uh pre-drill location and then just a contour and finish the hole yeah i i normally do yeah i'm pretty much the same way helix bore i have on one part that got sandblasted and anodized that i didn't care about the whole finish i just went straight to finish size with a bore just super fast because it didn't matter but uh other than that yeah bore it then contour to finish well i'm opening i'm opening fusion right now because i want to say that they added angle on helix board now on like one of the late last updates so i'm trying to pull up fusion real quick and make sure that i'm not wrong there but uh we'll, we'll, we'll i'll jump back to that as soon as fusion opens but i'm pretty sure that they that angle and pitch is in both of them now but uh i can't be sure um anyway so on to the next one out of the machinist asked what do you guys do with extra parts at the end of a run say if my client had made made me make 30 parts and it has three ops, then heat and then two post heat treat ops. I'll run off a few extras in case I mess one up when the project's over. Do you hang them, hang on to them for the repeat and see if the client wants them? Uh, some of my customers might take them, but others are building custom machines and don't really need the extra bracket. Is this how display cases and lobbies get filled? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my extra parts fall into two categories. One is extra parts that are in spec and ones that are setup parts. And setup parts get thrown into my display cabinet if I think they're cool, and otherwise I just recycle them. But if they are in spec parts and I've made like a few of them, I will go ahead and keep them on hand. Like I've got a drawer in one of my toolboxes that's full of uh, customer parts that are bagged and tagged and labeled and ready to go because I. I know the customer and I know that they probably will order them again or that they might need an extra one here or there. Um, but for the most part, like if it's a onesie twosie and I've got one extra, like it's so rare that they come back for another one that, like I said, if, if it's cool, I'll keep it and throw it in the, the, the cool part bin. And if not, I just recycle it and move on to the next thing. What about you? Yeah. Um, luckily most of my customers have been pretty lenient. You know, I'm, always making extras just for setup parts and just in case something goes wrong, especially when I'm doing these, you know, six op parts, there's so much room for, you know, something to go wrong when you're setting it up. But luckily most of my customers, you know, if I'm making a hundred parts and I have five extras or even 10 extras, they'll be like, yeah, we'll take them. So I just sell them. Sometimes they'll be like, Hey, could you discount the extras a little bit? I'm like, sure. Five bucks off or whatever. And they take them. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I I probably need to do a better job of like reaching out to my customers and saying like, Hey, I've got a couple extras. Do you want them? And I've got like one customer that like, they'll have me quote out a hundred of these electronics enclosures and then I'll get 80 or something. 
but then like of the machine parts that are part of that assembly, like I'll make a few extra and they'll buy those too. So like their, their quotes and their actual invoices rarely match up. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Uh, to go back real quick to David's question, I finally got fusion up and you, there is a use ramp angle checkbox in bore now. So um, you, you can do either ramp angle or pitch in either. That's good to know. Yep. Um, so on to the next one. Boone Freeman asked, best company or person for coming up new, with new logo for businesses? And second question, is Shopify a good option for starting an online store or use somebody else? So the second part of that, I'm going to defer to you because I've never used Shopify <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think for the first one, as far as like logos and stuff, I mean, there's all those websites like Upwork, Fiverr. Um, none of my designers I've like found through like a big company, like a design company. It's all been either friends of a friends that, you know, are graphic designers or found someone on Upwork and we work really well together. And, you know, you just take your work off of Upwork and go through like email or text is probably the best. You're not charging, get charged fees and stuff. But yeah, I'd say that for the first part. Yeah. I mean, I, I use Fiverr. I haven't used Upwork yet, but I've used Fiverr a whole bunch. Like my company logo I came up with and then had somebody like make into a graphic design on Fiverr. Same with my business cards. Um, the Within Tolerance logo is made on Fiverr as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, Fiverr or Upwork, any of those are, are pretty great. I think they're better if you have an idea of what you already want. Um, I've yeah. Never, I, I don't know. There, there's a bunch of people on Fiverr, though, that offer like, you give me your business and what you do and I'll come up with a few options. So those might be good. Um, I've always gone into it with like, this is what I want. Here's a rough hand sketch, make it look pretty. Well, yeah, that's kind of what me and you did with the podcast logo. We're like, okay, we want something like this. We want this simple symbol. Basically we just need a PDF or a PNG of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we went into it knowing that I wanted uh, the plus or minus symbol in there to link the two words and then they gave us like a kind of weird WT to the left <laughs> of the thing. We were like, eh, it looks kind of weird. And then we talked about it. And we were like, well, what about a, you know, true position sign? And then we went back to them with that and they took care of it. And, you know, they came up looking really cool. So it, the best thing is to make sure that like whoever, if you're going to go through Fiverr, at least make sure that they offer revisions and then Upwork, you know, find somebody that's willing to work with you. Yeah. And then about Shopify, I think it's the best option. You know, there's other places out there, but I'm telling you about simplicity and having an app on your phone that you can check everything and just, I think it's, it's, I mean, let's put it this way. Shopify stock is way up right now and that's for a reason. <laughs> and I just think it's, it's the next thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. Cause I've got, um, Squarespace and if, well, when I come up with like my next little idea that I want to sell, I'm going to be setting up a Squarespace store through my website. And so we can kind of compare and contrast notes once I can do that. And you're going to have this product done in the next month when you get rid of your kitty and have your orange subplate on, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to sleep at, at all. And I'm going to quit <laughs> my job tomorrow. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> uh all right, next one is from Built by Hutch. And he said, do you guys have any mental tips or tricks for staying positive and motivated? Anything that helps you get past failures, frustrations, and onto working again? That's a good question. Yeah, um, I feel like they're 
to me, they're not linked at all. Like for me, I, I can get, get over failures and frustrations fairly easily. Like usually it just involves taking a break or going home for the night and just working on it tomorrow. The biggest thing lately for me has been like staying positive and motivated. Like, I don't know what it is about the last month and a half or two months, but I have just been like, just tired and not motivated yep. and like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the summer because it's getting hot. I don't know if it's just because I'm busy and there's like nothing to do. I, I don't know. Um, but like that has been a struggle. And so I've been, I've gotten back into working out like my gym's still closed. So I've had to start running on the river path that we have here. Um, I've been, you know, doing more like hit workouts and stuff like that off of YouTube. Um, just trying to find ways to stay physically active so that it, it like gives my mind a break and makes gives me a little more energy, all that stuff. Um, but as far as like getting past failures and frustrations, like I don't know if it's just because I've made so many mistakes and <laughs> you know I've had so many past failures that like at this point it's like, well, this is you know just one of the things. Uh, my, my business partner Brad always says like, well, you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna go home and sleep in your bed. So like, it, how bad can it actually be? Um, and like that's gotten me through a lot of really rough things it's like well you know yeah i might be here till 2 or 3 a.m but you know in an hour i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna sleep and it'll be the next day so but how bad can it be yeah and i think you know it's hard to it, it's what we've talked about this before with you know it's really frustrating when something's going wrong and you just don't know why and it's consistent um that's what's really frustrating but if it's something like oh i broke this end mill or this, this, or this, like, you know, you can't do anything about that. You can't go back like too late. Like, okay, there goes a $60 ad mill. Yeah, that sucks. Move forward. Like, come on. Like you can't dwell on that and think about that. Like, yeah, it sucks. Like maybe think about how can you prevent that from happening in the future? But other than that, like, okay, like move on, I guess, you know, you just got to get over it. But there's, like you said, those times where it's the motivation and, you know, just being positive, like, okay, I'm going to go into this shop and I'm going to work for, you know, 12 or 16 hours straight being dirty and cooling and with a short cycle time. And, you know, you're not getting maybe paid as much for these parts as you wish you were, or, you know, whatever, um, that can be a little bit harder to control. Yeah. That, that's, that's the real mental struggle of being an entrepreneur, I think is like, and like, I, I, I hope that we don't come off as like being positive and motivated all the time because I, I know personally, I am definitely not like, yeah. <laughs> I, I get positivity and motivation from this podcast. Like I love hearing from our listeners. I like talking to you so much. Um, so that always helps. Like I always, even the nights that I have to go into the shop, like tonight I'm going into the shop after this and I know I'm going to be super tired later on, but like, I will be motivated because we talked about machining and like getting to talk to us a like-minded person and talk about what I love so much is always and you're not alone yeah yeah exactly so like maybe find find a a resource you know like yes you can talk to your significant other you can talk to a, a friend who's not in the industry and like it helps but like finding somebody who is just as passionate about machining or 3d printing I think uh built by Hutch does a lot of 3d printed things for I think uh Miata's if I remember right Um, so just finding somebody who like, even if you're just texting him or something like that, just find somebody that you can bounce ideas off or, or commiserate with. And that really helps. I'm telling you, there is, if you're standing in front of your machine right now and you're listening to this and you're bored, 
not with this podcast because obviously we're awesome but like <laughs> um if you're bored i guarantee you you can message anybody go on your instagram dms right now i know you're on your phone with your right hand over the feed hold button and <laughs> with your airpods in i know i know who you are but go to your instagram dms right now scroll through whoever's active right now just message them and be like hey how's it going and i guarantee you some of those people are, are doing the exact same thing right now they're either struggling with a setup or they're running parts and they're bored and they have no one to talk to and they're tired of listening to joe rogan and you know music or whatever i've been there i've done that i've talked to you know drew and i have been texting all the time recently and you know he's been running parts and you know i'm giving him crap for not having a tool changer and he's making a mess of cooling on the ground and we're just both you know having fun and texting and making parts so like there's always going to be someone out there in that position that you can talk to and they love to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally true. Like I've uh video call, even like uh, Andrew or, um, you know, a, a few other people, Andy Clark, a, f- a bunch of times we've talked about fusion and stuff and like, yeah, everybody's just, I don't know, like the instant machinist community, I say it all the time, but it's so awesome. Like everybody is so cool in it that yeah, for the most part, any time of the night I can message somebody and, get a response back or start start a conversation about machining um and like everybody's around the world too so like as i'm going to bed you know jody from machinist therapy hotline is like just getting up like there, there's always somebody on instagram doing something oh yeah um all right so next one was fort manufacturing uh he said what hours days do you work when you don't have a project how do you spend your shop time and have you applied lean manufacturing and has it helped Best frozen burrito and is the <laughs> plural of Sasquatch Sasquishes. Sasquish? Sasquish. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll ro- roll through them real quick and then you can do the same. Uh, hours, days. I work four days a week at my day job, um, 6.30 to 5. And then I work pretty much every other day at my shop. Um, I try to take, if I don't have, not not if I don't have the work, I always have enough work to keep me busy. But if I have enough that I can take a day off, I try to take Friday or Saturday off um, and then work every other day, at least five or six hours. Um, then when I don't have a project, which I have not had in a very, very long time, <laughs> um, but I usually find, a, I usually make a project. If I don't have a project, I make a project. Like my 3D printer thing, I was slow for like two days and I was like, you know, it's a good idea. Start machining something. And then, I that's like doing the the rain dance and like work came down from the sky and now I'm busy again. Um, as far as applying lean manufacturing, I'm constantly trying to improve, you know, fix, fix what bugs you, I think is the biggest thing. Um, and it's like the easiest way into lean. And like, I've, I'm constantly doing little things like that, like the, the magnetic things for my uh, tools that I said earlier, that's been a big help. Uh, don't eat frozen burritos because I live in Arizona and we've got the best Mexican food and sasquatches plural maybe i don't know (laughs) i agree with that last part (laughs) um what hours do i work uh whenever i'm not sleeping but i try i'm seriously trying to cut back and it sounds so dumb but you know if you're not an entrepreneur you won't you will never understand the brain of one because like if I'm not working, this sounds so dumb, but if I'm literally like watching a YouTube video just for 10 minutes, I'm like in my head, I'm like, why aren't you working? Like you could be doing 10 minutes of work. Like 
why aren't you working? You're not being productive right now. And like <laughs> to turn that switch off, you have to get through like a bulletproof like building that's like underground. Like it's impossible. But like I'm slowly picking the locks to get there. And I'm trying to take Sundays like this past Sunday. I did not touch my computer. I did not open Fusion. I did not check my email. I like relaxed. I went out and did some fun stuff with friends and like just completely didn't even worry about it, which was awesome. And so trying my best there. Uh, let's see. There's always a project. That's just that's just how it's going to be. Um if you don't yeah, see me doing a pro projects like yeah if you don't see me doing a project something's wrong um <laughs> have you applied lean manufacturing and has it helped yes i have it does help like we've talked about you know it's the small things that add up over time uh best frozen burrito uh i just make my own i've never had a frozen one to be honest with you <laughs> and yeah i like the idea of sass squish but i just don't think that's right <laughs> Yeah, I, I and actually, as far as sleep goes, like I, I recently bought into the hype and got that Whoop strap that Joe Rogan and Tom Segura and all them advertise all the time, and so I've been tracking my sleep a whole bunch. Oh, really? Like that, that has been very eye opening, because um, it like it tracks a few things to say like how ready you are for uh, strain the next day or like working out or whatever, and like it, it's it's cool seeing all the data. Like I know the days that I get like there are days that I get less than optimal amount of sleep but that's still really good quality and like it, it shows and, and so it's it's really nice to kind of have that that backup and like i can go back and be like oh well, what was i doing that day and like look at my data and be like oh well, yeah maybe don't do that again or maybe i need to go to bed by this time or you know don't eat this late at night or something like that it sounds dumb but it's like those videos where we see like oh i could see what the coolant concentrate of this specific day and time was it's like okay we can see if dylan was really sleep deprived and he scrapped a bunch or not right exactly yeah so it's been it's been really neat seeing that and uh you know it's yeah i don't know I, i'm i'm such a like a engineer mindset anyway that like i'm all about the data and so like not having data on my like personal well-being is is kind of cool to see yeah, there's a really good Joe Rogan on this sleep expert guy that's really eye-opening that I think everyone should watch. Yeah, I watched that one and it made me super depressed. Yep. <laughs> like, I am hurting my body so badly. Yep. <laughs> but it's cool because, like, the, the sleep coach on this thing, like, tells you, it's like, hey, you should probably go to bed now. Um, and, like, it's it's now start it's got enough data that it knows my schedule is messed up and so like it doesn't even tell me to get a hundred percent of the sleep i need it's like hey why don't you go to bed now and wake up at this time and you'll get like 85 percent. like how's that yeah yeah I'm like, oh god yeah all right all right fine <laughs> yeah um all right next question was from 75 hard machinist uh gyro he said is manufacturing coming back to the u.s i hope so i think so yeah, um, I haven't seen any like direct, you know, orders that are like, hey, we're reshoring this or like, hey, we're having you bid against China. But like, you know, I, I think everybody's seen how fragile our supply chain is now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that over the next few years, it will definitely bring back more and more work. Actually, I've had that exact thing happen. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey. I've had this machined in China. I'll give you the pricing. Can you come anywhere close? And 
it is crazy how cheap stuff is. Like I'm looking at this part that's like the size of an iPhone, maybe three inches tall, completely hollowed out, and it's like a four op part for like nine dollars. And yeah. I'm like, what? And I'm like, you know, I told I tell these customers, I'm like, that's great that you want to come back in the States. Like, I'm all for that, especially, you know, local being in Washington. But, you know, I'm not China. Like, I don't pay myself nothing. Um, and government subsidized. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I can try my best to compete. And luckily, a lot of these guys, you know, the volumes there where it's like, you know, OK, I'm not making as much. But since it's, you know. 200 parts like it ends up working out and i'm not at nine dollars but i might be at 15 and that six dollars might be a big deal but a lot of the times they're like okay like it's worth it because i can actually talk to you i actually like can come check you out and like all those things so it's it's really interesting that i've had like three people come to me for that exact reason oh that's awesome that's really good to hear so yeah um, all right. Next one from metal trade solutions. How do you decide when to spend time improving the shop or the business process during jobs, between jobs, weekends? Uh, for me, it's been when I'm not motivated, like honestly today. And I was like, you know what? Like I need to sit down and how can I improve the quality of life when I'm doing stuff, you know, like packing orders or all those little things, you know? So really whenever you can but i i honestly don't think it's a bad idea to say okay every first of the month i want to spend the whole day cleaning improving something you know improving a process i think that would totally be a good idea for most people yeah yeah i mean i think um i think it was saunders who was talking about like putting things on your to-do list and like if it's easy you just should do it and like that's kind of how i come across improvements is like if it's something I can take care of in a half an hour or like 20 minutes, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm not going to wait on it. And if I don't need to buy anything or I don't need to go anywhere, I'm just going to do it because I know it's not going to get done or it's going to get put on a, a to-do list. That's going to sit for a month. So if, if it's something you can do quickly and like, if you're not 20 minutes from your shift window being closed, just do it. Like just get it done and then you'll be happier in the long run. Um, if it's, you know, something that requires some spending. Yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, clearly, as we've talked about my projects, like they just have been sitting by the wayside because I've been so busy and like, I hate that. So um, I, I'm not the best person to talk to about that. And like, I need to do, do better about that because right now I'm saying, oh, between jobs and like, there's no between jobs. It's like solid jobs forever, it seems like. So um i need maybe the first of a month is a good idea or you know twice a month or something like that set aside some time and, and like occasionally we do that like we did the material shelf two or three weeks ago and we just finished it up the uh sunday or saturday we finally put everything back on it and so we've got the floor clean um so yeah it's just right now it's whenever i can find the time yeah just just do it yep all right, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Next one, Brookville CNC Products. How would you guys handle letting a customer go in a, quote, professional manner, not just quoting high on the project? Mm. I guess if you're uh. trying to get rid of the whole customer, that's a different story. But if it's like one part, I would just... Quoting high is obviously, you know, 
that can be weird because it can kind of stand out if all of a sudden you're normally at this kind of hourly rate for a part and all of a sudden you're just giant spike it's kind of like obvious that you're saying you don't want it um but like i would just straight up tell him be like you know this just isn't a right fit for us right now and you know hopefully i can help you on the next one yeah and and if you're trying to get rid of a customer totally like you just don't want to deal with them anymore it's a lot better if you can give them a recommendation of somewhere to go like you guys aren't a good fit for me you know your work's not a good fit for my shop or your, your work's not a good fit for my machinery but this shop i've heard of or this shop i've dealt with you know specializes in what you're, you want or like they might be a better fit for you um, exactly. that way it's it's not like go away i don't want you it's like you know let me help you find the person who will deal with you the best exactly uh, the next one was from Machine Runaway, and his first question was also a duplicate of NYDLS30, and they both wanted updates on the tool lots holders, which... There is none. Okay. <laughs> um, I will. I do well, want to design a part, and this might be... I don't... Honestly, I can't think of what else to test, but it would be, let's see, probably a 3 tool and like just an aluminum part. I don't know. I could just profile something bore something out pocket something and just do that the only reason i say three sixteenths is because i got a three dollar er32 three sixteenths call it that i've already used it works but i could use that in the er32 holder and in the er16 holder oh yeah there you go so i don't know i i i'll do that i'll check run out and that's about all i can test really are you still going to send them out for balancing or for balance checking? I think that would be a cool experiment. If anyone knows or if anyone has a balancer at their shop that'd be willing to do that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I'd be interested to see for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Machine Runaway's second question was drip feeding. How much do you trust it? Would you let a machine run unattended? Um... I think it's one of those things where like theoretically, yeah, I should be able to let the machine run unattended and I should trust it. But like, I don't know, maybe it's just like the human in me that's like, ah, I don't trust it reading off of a USB or whatever. Um, I've done it in the past in past shops, like I've left the room or I've gone to lunch or whatever. I don't know that I'd let it run overnight. That would be a little scary. Um, but like, that's the whole reason we bought the CalMotion box for our brother or our our older brother was so that we could dnc larger programs if we needed to yeah i've done it both ways and i've had problems both ways so you know yeah yeah i think it's you know it's it's tough trusting a process like that because it is actively reading data um like maybe if it was a new control i wouldn't feel bad about it at all but like, especially in my case where I'm using a third-party adapter to RS-232 um, using just a, an off-the-shelf USB, it makes me it makes me a little nervous. Like, I'll, I'll definitely still do it, and I have done it, but it just, I don't know, makes me unnerved a little bit. Yeah. So, Cat's Meow 13 asked, any good resources to expedite learning how to program? I'm new to machining, been working in aerospace button pushing for over a year, and I'm also taking classes for programming in my local community college. 
I'm curious to hear how you guys cut your teeth and if you have any resources that could help me learn more while my school is in recess due to COVID. My ultimate goal is to learn to program and run five axis. Thanks. I've learned a lot from listening to the podcast. First of all, that's pretty cool that he's learned stuff through us. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks um, for listening. I'm trying to think. If you, it's hard if you don't have access to a machine because no one, in my opinion, you can't learn how to program if you can't go out and run the program. Yeah, yeah, that's a little tough. Um, I know a lot of people like the Titan Academy thing, but I think, yeah, if you're, if you're not part of like one of their small groups or whatever, um, or you don't have access to a machine to make those parts, you know, learning the computer side is great, but without like physically feeling and seeing chips being made and knowing what those feeds and speeds actually do and hearing chatter and being able to, you know, reduce spindle speed to overcome it. Like those are the things that make a good CNC machine. It's not being able to program super fast. So um, definitely, you know, watch all the videos you possibly can. Um, if you're working at your day job still, and like that's not closed due to COVID, uh, you know, if you finish your work early or you, you've got some time, you know, go bug one of the programmers or, or go bug a, a setup guy and, and learn. Um, like I was really lucky in that when I was going to school, like you were for programming, I also worked in a shop that was a prototype shop. So um, I was able to bug the programmers. I was able to start playing around on the weekends, uh, programming and, and, you know, learning setups and all that stuff. So you, you kind of just have to uh, find find somebody to take you under their wing. Um, yeah, I so. mean, in this current situation, it's obviously hard, but get good at the computer side of things while you have the time and you know, you can, and then once things start to open up and if you get the chance to, you know, go into school and have access to a machine, then you can really start to say, okay, I know how to use fusion or whatever really well, but now let's really make that connection between, you know, the computer side of things in the real world. Let's really make that connection a really good bond. And yeah, I mean, I think we've all been in this scenario where you can simulate a part all day long, but then you run it and it's like, whoa, like, whoa <laughs> yeah like oh man that was a garbage program or yeah. like, oh that took way longer than i should have or you know there's a, a bunch of things that you can the, the computer is infinitely rigid the machines are not so so yeah that's so um, true <laughs> yeah so yeah um like the, the the people that learned the most at my first job like when i was programming for them i had a setup guy who would come over and like as the code was going would be reading it and seeing what the machine was doing and starting to learn G-code that way. Um, and don't let anybody tell you that you don't need to learn G-code. Like, learn G-code because it will help you talk to the machine correctly. Um, like, there, I know there's a lot of people listening, and I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to that don't know G-code as well as they wish they did. And, like, uh, you're never going to waste your time learning G-code, I don't think. Yeah, it's the language. Yeah. Um, and then NYDLS, his second question was, how hot is it in our shops? And we kind of touched on that last time too. Um, it's like 107 outside every day, Jeez. but it's like, it's like 80 degrees in my shop with the swamp cooler. So it's really not that bad at all. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. With yeah. Washington being so bipolar, like today it's raining and yesterday was sunny. So like, I don't know, 50, 60 inside. Some days it's 80. <laughs> Some days it's I even less. It's your hot day. Yeah, dude, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then last one was from Ferrotech, and he said, do you put the water from your dehumidifier or, I guess, uh, what's it called, uh, air dryer back into your coolant? And I, I definitely don't. Yeah. I just toss it. I'm like, mine comes out. I, I don't have a dehumidifier, but for my air dryer, which, I, you know, I guess is the same thing, it comes out kind of like rusty sometimes, yep. or like colored, and it's got some oil in it. Like, it, it's not worth it. I just dump it. Yep. Same here. So that takes care of uh, listener questions. Thanks everybody for contributing. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. It's like, I, I, I really enjoy talking to you, Peyton, but it's always cool to have like questions that I never would have thought of bringing up. So like um, the burrito really... and the Sasquish. Yeah. Sasquatches. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was, thanks again, everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, you, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and uh, next week, remember, we've got yep. John coming on, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions. So, John, if you're listening to this, get ready, um, <laughs> and we'll be talking to him next week. That'll be our one year, more or less, close enough. But uh, Yeah, it'll be episode 52. I think we started technically in July, so maybe we'll do some kind of giveaway or something in July. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll, maybe I think you still have some t-shirts in inventory and if you do, maybe we'll just pull whatever's left and give them away or something like that. Yeah. I, I have a couple people that I know would be willing to give some or donate some stuff to give away too. So I think we could actually come up with something pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's chat about it more and we'll come up with something, but um, yeah, next week, Grimsmo. Thanks again, everybody for listening. Um, once again, if this is your first time listening, I'm Dylan, he's Peyton. Proteum Machining is me on Instagram. He is Brick Tactical and BrickTactical.mfg. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining the crew. All right, guys. See you next week. <laughs>